surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is Taylor, your host, and today I might fangirl slightly over the amazing content creator, Quigley, who if you do not follow on Instagram, I surely hope that you will after this episode because she is amazing. So welcome to episode 109. We are going to dig deep into social media and the impacts that it has on mental health as there is constant pressure to push the creative envelope, but it's also necessary to establish boundaries in order to avoid burnout, which we will get into. Um, It's a fine line navigating those two. Uh, And Quigley and I are going to share some personal growth stories while diving into the struggles that we've had both managing, you know, a social media platform, a bit of a public life. um, And that includes things like shame and the comparison game and also experiencing depression. Um, Um, I really enjoyed this episode because Quigley got really personal and really vulnerable and I got to learn so much more about her that I didn't know from following her. So it was really cool to, you know, just meet her as as someone that um, I in a way look up to and just really admire um, all of the hard work. You'll hear me fangirl a bit about how great her content is. So definitely be sure to check her out in the episode notes. Um, And And I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to share with you all today before we get into this episode. I think perhaps a little bit of context first. Uh, this is this episode is recorded in LA. Um, I was recording at the Garland Hotel, which honestly was so adorable. Uh, I don't remember if you all remember me posting this on Instagram, but I posted a photo of me at the Garland, and you know, was just loving the greenery in this hotel. And all everyone seemed to comment on was the fact that my nipples were hard through my shirt. So that became quite a conversation that. It should probably carry on uh, the podcast one of these days. But um, yeah, very, very fun, very, uh, you know, eye-opening experience as always uh, interacting on social media. And I'm sure actually even listening to this episode as we go forward with that photo in mind of just the, you know, the things that you deal with on on social media, whether you're a content creator professionally or, you know, just like every day using Instagram, you experience it on some level as well. The the comparison and anxiety and, and depression that comes along with it. Um, so yeah, lots of, lots of thoughts there. Um, sorry if you happen to hear Lily chewing in the background as she is eating her food. Um, but I will stop talking now so we can get to Quigley because she was amazing and I so appreciate her vulnerability and her time and she was honestly everything that I thought she would be from Instagram and even more. So without any further ado, let's talk about it. All right. 
So today I am here with Quigley Goody. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming and being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, same. You have been someone that I have followed for a while, I feel like. Um, it's been several months at least that I have followed you and I've always been like, wow, this is all so beautiful and like so <laughs> inspirational and not going to lie. There have been parts where I've like compared and like, I've been like, oh, like don't think like that Taylor. But at the same time, just such an appreciation because so much of what comes through is just like that there's so much thought and there's so much detail to like everything that you do and everything that you share. And to me, that's like, just, I'm like blown away by like, just even imagining the amount of work that goes into that for you. And <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I, I appreciate that you feel that way because I feel like a lot of people think that content creators and influencers don't work very hard at all. Yes. yes. And just get everything handed to them. So it's nice yeah. to hear that there are people out there who appreciate the yeah. love get, that gets put into everything. Yeah. Cause I just like try to take a photo and then I'm like, okay, wait, you have to take that like a thousand more times and you need to change all these things. And like, I'm sure that also happens for you, but like, it's just, it's stunning. It's well, all very stunning. The thing is, is that things have changed a lot in the past few years mm -hmm. since people started social media, they started sharing their lives mm -hmm. online. It was you know, a photo diary of sorts. Mm -hmm. But as people got better and better and better at it, it sort of became this rat race to who can, you know, create the best photo and who can yeah. wear the best outfit and go to the most epic location. Mm -hmm. And it almost sort of turned into this art form of sorts of how to, you know, creatively express yourself through visual storytelling, yeah. which can be really cool, but there are sadly mm -hmm. some negative you know, side effects of that where yeah. people start to think that that's real life. And so my mission on the app mm -hmm. has been to really distinguish between mm -hmm. um, these two things that are happening here. Some people go on social media, they share their real life story, what they're yeah. doing in the moment. But other people like me who have taken a passion for art direction mm -hmm. and photography and, you know, really thoughtfully curating a photo shoot. Yeah. Is it, they're just two different things. And so I really want to be clear with my audience on what it is that I'm doing. One side mm -hmm. of me is an artist mm -hmm. who literally paints a photograph of something yeah. that inspires me visually. And then the other person is this person <laughs> who's like, I don't know what I'm doing on this space. I, yeah. I, you know, but I really want to be real with you and transparent. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of going through that journey with my audience yeah. and uncovering those other mm -hmm. more real and raw sides as well and figuring out how to mend, like mix the two together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I'll say I've, I've noticed you starting to blend the two together. And a large part of what I want to talk with you today about is um, how social media like impacts, you know, our mental health and how that's been for you and like the comparison game and, and all kinds of things I want to get into with you. But um, I think for me, it's always really interesting and, and I just appreciate this conversation as is because it's like meeting in real life, right? And getting to know more of that person. And mm -hmm. so I hope too, even for people that follow you, that they get to see perhaps more of like a, a, a human in you, right? Yeah. Like there's more humanizing there. And it is difficult to blend those two. Um, so far, I feel like you've been doing a good job. <laughs> Thank you. It's a journey. Yeah. And, right, and right now I'm like, oh, I wish that there was just something in the middle 
mm-hmm. that was effortless. Yeah. I think we're all just like, what's the easiest, what's the path of least resistance? Because yeah. the photo shoots take so much time and energy mm-hmm. and we're required to have such consistent creative output yeah. and, you know, to keep up in this rat race, it's like, you've got to be going, going, going at all mm-hmm. times. And it gets so exhausting. Yeah. Um, and I've been through multiple periods of burnout mm-hmm. as a creator where I just am so exhausted and I just want nothing to do with Instagram <laughs> yeah. for a while, but I can't now because it's my job and I can't just yeah. t- stop going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think um, I definitely have been striving to figure out what the most authentic way to be myself and to share my mm-hmm. real life, but also get to really push the boundaries of my creativity and yeah. dream up crazy fantastical things. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there was one even actually that you did uh, with your partner for like, I think it was for Halloween maybe, but it was like Game of Thrones, Yeah, which I was like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. We have a lot of fun. That was that was like incredible. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um and you know, just speaking around like being really creative and, and all of this, like this didn't just start for you being a creative person when Instagram came about. Correct. Um, and I have to I think too, like when I first started following you, I I don't even remember how. It might have been Are you friends with Becca? Yeah. Yeah, it might have been, maybe I saw you there and then was like, wait, she seems familiar. And then I don't remember if you had posted something about it or if it just came up somewhere. But yeah, like years ago, you were on American Idol. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up wanting to be a singer. Yeah. Um, definitely thought for sure I'd be a pop star. Um, mm-hmm. Went on American Idol when I was 20. Um, well, I started it when I was 19, finished when I was 20. So I mm-hmm. participated in the show for about a year. Yeah. Um, and I got kicked off. Uh, definitely not my favorite moment of life being called I was an atrocious singer by Simon Cowell, but it happened. Yeah, um, that's got to be tough. Yeah, I think actually the harder part was not the being kicked off the show, but was like some of the media backlash Hmm. because people dug up a bikini calendar that I had done in college. Hmm. And it was sort of this like scandal of like, oh, American Idol singer has this like naughty past. And it was just like, I'm this like wholesome girl from Minnesota. Like Mm -hmm. it was just so overly dramatized. It was like on TMZ, like blah, blah, blah. And I just felt like my entire experience was, you know, dwindled down to like, oh, she posted or like she has bikini photos. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like nobody... Oh, and all the judges' remarks were consistently about the way that I looked and not about my talent. And Hmm. I just felt like... Yeah. I just yeah, and I especially and I, as like a nineteen year old girl, I feel like you're in a much more vulnerable state as you're figuring out like who you are as a young woman and all of that, and then to receive those com- those comments from people who are in a like pow- uh, figure of of power, you know, yeah. a place of power, and yeah. also just being like kind of pushed into the spotlight like that, like that's really overwhelming. Yeah, and I kind of like I knew that there was risk in doing that. Yeah. Um and I had enough confidence at that age where I was like I can handle whatever comes my way and I definitely mm-hmm. leaving the show I didn't have like a negative experience. I was yeah. really proud that I went on the show, but I think in my 20s I sort of like slowly started to internalize mm-hmm. what 
had happened without really consciously noticing it. Yeah. And I really started to develop this fear around performing and putting myself out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it again. <laughs> putting yourself out there after any form of rejection is incredibly scary and takes a lot of courage to get back in that place. It it definitely does. And I'm I'm really proud that I eventually came around to mm-hmm. doing it because if I didn't, then I wouldn't have my yeah. dream career, which I feel like I'm now in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it just took small steps and it also yeah. took the ability to know when to pivot because mm-hmm. when your art becomes something that's painful and you're resenting it, like yeah. it, it's, it's not doing anybody a cert service for you to sit in that space so for me i was Mm -hmm. like okay right now music is making me feel really bad i'm crying like three times a week about it i had moved at this time i had moved out to la i was pursuing a career Mm -hmm. after idol i was going on writing sessions i was trying to network and meet people and i was just feeling real gross yeah and just like i could not envision myself in the music industry because of some of the feelings that I had towards my music and Mm -hmm. towards people in the industry. And then um, I was like, okay, I'm going to put this art on a back burner for a little while Mm -hmm. and find another creative outlet that I could do. Because, you know, I first started singing because it lit my soul up. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't light your soul up anymore, maybe it's time to express yourself. And and it's... Yeah. And I... Because I couldn't face the real root of what was causing that pain. Hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, something else that makes me excited is clothes. I've always loved yeah. putting together outfits and I just started a, like doing a little fashion blog. And I was like, this is yeah. going to be fun that I get to do for me mm-hmm. to heal my soul so I can just be creative and play dress up with my friends and take yeah. photos of my mom's outfits from the 80s and just have no pressure to make it. Yeah. And that's kind of what birthed a new career path. Yeah. And, and what, I mean, you said at the time you weren't able to really know what like the root of that was. Mm -hmm. Are you able to looking back? I think so. I think that it was my fear that in order to stand out or to really make it in the music industry, I had to be a certain way around men Hmm. and present myself in a certain way. And I just felt like, you had to know the right people and be extremely charming and extremely sexual, but not too sexual that they're going to get the wrong idea, mm-hmm. but also like impress everyone, but don't be too good. Because mm-hmm. otherwise don't they're going to want, want something from you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like there was a like safe community of female producers mm-hmm. that I could turn to and be like, hey, I... I really want to make this song happen. Like, can you work on it with me? Yeah. Um, which led me to figure out how to produce music on my own because yeah. I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with the men in this industry. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it had a lot to do with, like, the fact that I felt like my sexuality and my worth as a woman was, like, tied up into mm-hmm. my art. And I just yeah had a really gross feeling about that. Mm-hmm. And then during all of that too, you're like in your early twenties, also trying to date. I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I was, and I kept falling in love with the men that I would write songs with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, it's a very vulnerable process, and mm-hmm. it's so hard to set up those ba- those boundaries of like 
yeah, what's okay to do and what's not okay to do professionally. And it just got so messy. Mm-hmm. And finally, I was just like, I'm done with this. Yeah. I'm not dating any more musicians. <laughs> I'm not going to be in the music industry. I'm just going to yeah. do things that don't drive me up mm-hmm. the wall. All right. It's time for a short break here, but I promise you're going to want to keep listening because I cannot tell you how many times on a daily basis I reference this resource for people in person, on Instagram, and even on the podcast before. They are one of my favorite sponsors of the podcast and they are BetterHelp. So if you have not heard me talk about BetterHelp before, they are an online counseling service. You can get matched with a a professional licensed therapist within 24 hours. Um, it's a safe online private environment, which also just makes it really convenient. So if you travel a lot and you're not really stable in one place, um, this could be a great option for you. If you're just someone that you know wants to really do this uh, now at your own time, at your own pace, you can schedule secure video or phone sessions. Plus, you can also chat and text with your therapist. And you can get matched with someone who covers a, a variety of issues here. So all you do is you take a short questionnaire and then they'll match you with someone. So whether you're dealing with things like trauma or depression, or sexuality, relationships. Um, They'll match you with someone that fits your needs. And if you're not happy with that counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time with no additional charge. Um, They have 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states um, and four communication modes. So that's text, chat, phone, video. And again, honestly, they are one of my favorite online platforms for therapy. They offer financial aid, which is usually a big barrier to counseling. So be sure to check check out that uh, feature. Um, definitely apply for the financial aid um, if finances is something that you are struggling with or that has been a barrier to receiving treatment because everyone should be able to have access to treatment. And unfortunately, that's not the case for everyone. So I want to try to make it even more affordable, more affordable than it already is on BetterHelp and offer this as a very truly affordable option for Let's Talk About It listeners. You can get 10% off your first month with the discount code TALKABOUTIT. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash talk about it. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor that you will love. That's betterhelp.com slash talk about it. And now we can get back to the show. During this whole process, I'm like summing this up in my head to be around like what, four years? Yeah. About four years of your life. Um, During any of that time, like was therapy something that you participated in to like help process some of this stuff? Like that's a big thing. I think for anyone like putting themselves out there like that, especially going on TV, especially at such a young age, like some of my own experience there, but like therapy is super helpful. And I always like to ask people like, what's your therapy experience? Yeah. So I... My first time seeing a therapist was um, probably after the show, but I didn't really like them very much. Yeah, that's okay. Um, and uh, I rem- it didn't last very long. Yeah. And then um, I got into a relationship that was pretty tumultuous and um, that partner of mine did not want to see a therapist, did yeah. not believe in therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were some cultural differences there. Um, he was British and... So I actually ended up seeing a therapist behind his back, which was probably the best, one of the best decisions I ever made because I think seeing her helped me get out of the relationship that I felt was emotionally abusive. 100%. That happened. That was a good therapy experience. Yes. Well, and I'm glad that you went back, even though your first experience you didn't enjoy. Right. 
And I think a lot of people get stuck on that. And then they're just like, therapy's not for me. And it's like, well, very much is dependent upon that the relationship. Person. Yeah, oh, for sure. And then recently I've had two newer therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first, uh, essentially six years ago, my husband's dad mm-hmm. uh, was killed. Mm. And we went through probably one of the most crazy experiences you can go through. Um, yeah. He was shot and killed in a armed robbery. Wow. And we actually will be going to Chicago next week for the trial, which oh. took six years yeah. to happen. So that has been something that we have been going through together as a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not something that I feel really comfortable talking with on social media. I've actually yeah. never told my audience about it. Mm-hmm. And um, that feels really crazy really crazy yeah um and we saw a therapist together for that Mm -hmm. because grief is one thing but Mm -hmm. when it's murder (laughs) yeah like i don't like it feels weird even just saying that but um yeah so it's been really helpful Mm -hmm. our therapist is amazing that we see together Mm -hmm. um and it's really uncovered some things in our relationships that i don't that aren't related to the grief Mm -hmm. that i I'm so indebted to her for because I feel like we have a really solid foundation for a marriage. Yeah. Um, it's not perfect. We're none, still none in is. therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. we, we're not like we're, we're good. Yeah. You kind of go in phases of mm-hmm. like, you got to go for a little while and then you're done and you're good and, and life happens and then you got to go back and yeah. we're in a season right now where we're visiting her again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, we've had so many aha moments. I've had moments in therapy where I will literally scream out loud and I'm like, oh my God, I never thought of it that way before. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for being vulnerable and, and sharing about that. That is, like you said, grief is one thing, but when it's like so violently taken in that way, that is a, a whole different experience to process. Yeah, and I, I have the utmost love and respect for my husband. Mm -hmm. And I just, I want it to be in his way. Like when he is ready to share with the world what he's gone through, like, and I'm just kind of waiting. Yeah. Once he wants to divulge more details. Um, he, he's mentioned it a couple of times Mm -hmm. just briefly, but he hasn't really, you know, shared his deepest, darkest feelings and stuff. Cause I don't even know if he's really processed it all yet. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that takes time to do. And sometimes you have to wait until you feel in a good place with your process before you share it with other people, um, especially when it's something that like requires a lot of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, even for you, like supporting a partner while they process something, the major life event that, mm-hmm. you know, in a way changes bits of their identity, even mm-hmm. maybe um, of how you're able to show up and, and be supportive while also processing that on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I think I definitely went through a lot of things. I question how I felt about God. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a very funny way, kind of opposite to a lot of people. I feel like mm-hmm. some people, like death can either have one of two effects on you. It's either it brings you closer to God in your spirituality yeah. or it brings you further away from God mm-hmm. in spirituality. And um, I grew up in a really interesting environment spiritually. Mm-hmm. My dad is the epitome of atheist. My mom <laughs> is 
Somewhere between like hippie and Buddhist. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a best friend as a child who was Jewish and then my best friend in high school was Muslim. So mm-hmm. I like had exposure to yeah. all the things. Well, not everything. Yeah. You had some well-rounded exposure to different cultures and religions. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I sort of came up with this idea that all paths lead to the same place. And if you're a good person, you're a good person. And I never really like felt like I needed to make space for God or any sort of Mm. spirituality in my life. It was Mm -hmm. just, everything's the same. There's no reason to fight about it. Mm. It's all good. Yeah. Don't need to think about it that much. Um, And after, you know, going through what we went through with Herb, I felt like I was searching for deeper connection to something bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And I don't really have a way to put it into words, but I'm definitely right now in a journey to figure out what that is. Mm -hmm. So that's been interesting. Yeah. And I like that you use that word journey because it is, (laughs) it is a journey and it's a process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's amazing that you guys are both able to go into counseling together to address that and to be able to support one another through it. Right. Right. Because his, his process was very different than mine and yeah, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I've been, I've, one of the questions that's been on my mind a lot recently is that with social media, mm-hmm. people are leaning towards authenticity and transparency, yeah. which I really admire and I encourage. But at the same time, it's like how much is too, sharing is too much sharing. And what, yeah. what is that line yes. between, you know, what you should say because you just want to be honest. And mm-hmm. if there's, a part of you that you need to keep for just you. Yeah. And and I think that is a really interesting balance to find. And I think, I mean, even just in my first conversation with you, I'm like, you are someone that is very honest and that is very capable of being vulnerable and putting yourself out there like that to where on social media, it's, I think it, it's not just that one-on-one connection, right? It's not just that um, face-to-face conversation where you're both being vulnerable. It's, it's a lot different. I think it, there's a lot of um, fear around, at least in my case, um, being trolled, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if, if I'm extra honest about this and this feels authentic for me and this is part of my story and I want to share it and you don't really need any other reason to post something, then you want to share it. Like, that should be it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, questioning, is this too much? Am I going to get backlash on this? Um a hard balance for sure um i think i've definitely learned that you know the people who i want following me are Mm -hmm. are the people who are going to love and support me no matter what yeah and so i have had a few instances of online trolling it's not been that extreme but Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm definitely like, okay, well, I don't want you following me yeah. anyways. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also just the, how am I going to feel once I share this? And is, yeah. is me sharing this going to make me feel too naked? And mm-hmm. Brene Brown calls it a vulnerability hangover. And I use that word all the time here. And um, it's it's a very, very real thing. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, I love Brene Brown. She's my goddess. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> But I also feel like, do you feel it's cathartic? Because I really do. Like whenever I feel the fear, like Mm -hmm. do I share this or not? Feel the fear, feel the fear. And then I do share it and there's this rush of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. Um, It generally feels cathartic. Yeah. um, But then there also is the pitfalls of like it's adrenaline and then it's like 
a drop off. Yes. And I literally, a few weeks ago, I posted about um, a trip to Toronto where I had a sexcation. And that's just like what I called it. I called okay. it a sexcation. Okay. Um, <laughs> and part of me was like, yeah, I haven't really like shared that explicitly, you know, my personal life like that. And it was also, there was that rush of adrenaline of like, do I, do I not? But then, you know, I shared it with that person and was like, how do you feel about that? And then I was also like, how do I feel about this? Mm -hmm. And it was, it was like, yeah, that feels like something I would tell my friends that I've told my family, something that I don't feel ashamed. I don't feel any kind of shame around. And even if I did, I would then process that shame and think maybe this is something I need to share to fight that shame. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it and I think part of me also even wants to post things like that to fight against the potential shame that people are going to project because then that's an opportunity to be yeah. like, actually, no. Actually here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, actually, this is real. Here's this how- is authentic. Like, this is okay. <laughs> yeah, and here's how it can help people. I think yeah. at the, bot- the bottom line for me is like, I ask myself, is what I'm sharing going to help people or hurt people? Mm-hmm. And if the root of it is it's going to help people, then you yeah. can argue your case no matter how you want to argue it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like with some scenarios where it's like, okay, if I share this information, will it maybe hurt someone I love? Mm-hmm. Then that's the the point where you say no. Yeah. Or if it, oh, if if I share this information, will my partner be ashamed or, you know, not want to be that vulnerable? Mm-hmm. If it's about a relationship, you know. Yeah. Um, I definitely think with when it comes to like talking about sex or mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. There are certain things that I wouldn't talk about publicly yeah. because it's between me and my partner mm-hmm. and we're working through that or yeah. X, Y, Z, mm-hmm. or, you know, if it's like related to a family illness, mm-hmm. sometimes that person doesn't want their health to be yeah. discussed over, you know, social media. Mm-hmm. And so if it's going to hurt someone you love, then then yeah. consider that first. Yeah. I, I like that. And I think, again, having that communication with those people is super mm-hmm. important. Totally. And- I mean, it sounds like already you and your husband have really worked hard on like maintaining good communication between the two of you, even just with going to therapy. But um, you mentioned that like he, you were dating a lot of musicians and now you guys have been together six plus years. Yeah. We just celebrated our seven year of dating anniversary, oh. but we've both forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> we, both, we were both, it was two days before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and I think we were just all like getting ready for Thanksgiving. We celebrate our marriage anniversary as yeah. our anniversary now. Mm-hmm. So like our anniversary of dating, which used to be our anniversary, yeah. we're just sort of like, ooh, <laughs> another milestone. Yeah. Actually, we woke up like the day after Thanksgiving and we're like, hey, we missed our anniversary. And we both looked at each other like, oh, Yep. <laughs> Well, I have to say, just seeing the two of you on social media is adorable. Thank you. Like adorable. You guys are both like very attractive (laughs) together and just seem like so, I can't even think of the word for it. Um, You guys just seem like so on like a very, on like the same page in a way. Um, and I don't, I don't know a ton about him, but you guys just seem very on the same page. And I'm really curious if there's any reflections you can share about like maintaining a relationship over, you know, seven years. Yeah. Well, how much time do you have? (laughs) I mean, we can start at the, let's start at the beginning because the first thing you said is like, you guys seem very on the same page, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. But like, it's not, 
it's not an easy relationship. It's, yeah. I mean, I don't think any relationship is easy. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of work. It does. And it does, it um, does. we, you know, every couple has their own unique challenges. Mm-hmm. Alex and I were drawn together because we're similar in ways, but we're, mm-hmm. we also have extremely different interests. Yeah. Um, and we also have like a unique challenge of we both work from home and so we see each other all, all the time. time. And when a marriage has to be, you know, a friendship, your roommate, a lover, your best friend, like the, when it is required to fill all the roles at all times, that can be very exhausting. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. So we've definitely had to figure out how to ha- create our own spaces mm-hmm. in our home because it's our workplace as well as the place that we have family time. Um, so we need alone space. Absolutely. Um, and then we've also had to figure out how to really nurture our friendships outside of the relationship so that we can have people in our lives that we can discuss our interests with that aren't each other. For yes. example, my husband loves motorcycles. He has been riding motorcycles his entire life. I love it. He built motorcycles with his dad growing up. Mm-hmm. He has converted our garage into a motorcycle workshop. But that is just something <laughs> yes. that I have no interest in. It's not... Yeah. I love it because I it makes him interesting and I admire that he can build the bikes, mm-hmm. but it's just not... Not your I vibe. I'm not going <laughs> to jump on the back of the motorcycle. It's not my thing. So yeah. he has friendships where, you know, he can go out and go on rides with people. Yeah. He loves wrestling. I do not love wrestling. I love music. Yes. He does not like the kind of music I like. Yeah. I love nature. And he likes nature, but he's not into like going yeah. to do outdoorsy stuff. So I have girlfriends that I go on hikes with. Mm-hmm. And we had to like really identify that like the things that made us different that's that's okay like we don't Mm -hmm. have to fulfill every role in the relationship yeah and and I like that you bring up those specific examples because I think it's those little things that we think we have to take interest in in our partner that we have to like all the same things right and I think especially even in the early stages of dating where people feel this pressure of like oh he likes motorcycles yeah yeah I like motorcycles too (laughs) like yeah definitely like I'm gonna like all the things you like and I think like if you take a step back from that it's like this pressure to uh, be someone's everything, right? Mm-hmm. To fulfill all of the roles. And I like that you're still maintaining the sense of individuality while also having that interdependence and recognizing that you admire and that you have, um, you know, affection towards your partner having those different interests. And that like, those were maybe some of the, of the things that you crushed on when you first met and like, are they're still able to have as their things. Yeah. I used to fall in love with people that were so similar to me, yeah. which is not a bad thing. They say opposites attract. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I was yeah. always attracted to people who were, who I wanted to become, mm-hmm. which was interesting for me, but it led me to like a lot of relationships where I felt like it was always competitive. And yeah. now it's like, Alex has his things that he's really good at mm-hmm. and I have my things that I'm really good at and they're, they're not the same. Yeah. And I kind of love that about our relationship, but it's also complicated yeah. because sometimes I'll ask myself, well, where are the passion points? Like, where do we overlap? Like, what are the things we were both passionate about? Um, and we, you know, have to create our activities where we spend time yeah. doing things we're both passionate about, but yeah. we luckily have those things. Yes. No, I think that's such a good, such a good point. And I mean, 
obviously there are things that you guys agree on and enjoy together. Otherwise, you wouldn't have taken interest in continuing to see each other in the first place. That's very true. Yeah. We both like shopping a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like you guys do like videos together of like different <laughs> outfits. And I'm like, this is just so cute that like, that's where it, I get that sense of like just being on the same page. Right. And of yes. like supporting one another in your passions. I will say I, I think that Alex is truly one of a kind in the way that he understands social media and wraps his head around social mm-hmm. media. He is so supportive in what I'm doing on the space. Mm-hmm. And I never feel like he is judging me. I never feel like, like he truly understands my purpose and that social media is a platform to be able to spread love and positivity and to yeah. help people in certain ways. And he sees the longevity of like how social media can help people. Hmm. And um, I think that's really cool. And he also has a background in um, acting. So he loves being in front of the camera, which really helps. I can tell like he has this like bit of like theatricalness to him. He does. That is like very entertaining. And you guys are just so freaking cute. Um, But as we talk about social media now, um, one of the things I want to make sure that we talk about today before we wrap up is burnout and comparison. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of comparing on social media. And as someone who, you know, has built your following organically and very like enthusiastically too, I think, Mm -hmm. um, of how you've dealt with comparison, both personally when you're like on Instagram, but then also like how you try to manage that for people that follow you. Yeah. So let's talk about We'll talk about comparison first and then burnout and afterwards. And then burnout, yeah. Okay. So the beginning of my comparison journey um, happened like around when I hit 60K. Mm-hmm. I had been building my profile for a while just as a place to share fashion. Yeah. And my following was growing. Things were going well. I was starting to get clients, mm-hmm. build work, and I thought that there'd be a point soon where I might be able to make it my real career. And I was really excited. Um, and I just remembered getting to this space where I would go and I would look at the girls who had made it. Mm-hmm. And I'd look at the bloggers who I felt like were really successful. And I'd look at their pages and I'd go, well, what do they have that I don't have? Because my photos look just as good. I'm sharing really great content. I'm sharing valuable content. I'm like doing all the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing. But for some reason, I didn't feel like I could take my work to the next level. And Mm -hmm. so I got into this rut of trying to figure out how to be more like other people. Yeah. Um, And in ways that helped me, but in a lot of ways, it just made me miserable. (laughs) Yeah. Like it Um, might help you business-wise, but then personally, you're like, I'm miserable. Yeah, exactly. Um, And there was one blogger in particular who was, I had met, she was an acquaintance of mine, mm-hmm. but I started like really, really loving her work. And I just mm-hmm. thought she was like the epitome of cool. And she would do this thing where she would take an amazingly beautiful photo and then she would write a short and witty caption to go with it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's the way to do it. Yep. If you got to be a blogger, you got to like do a cool ass photo with a funny fucking caption. That's literally all of Bachelor. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, and so I thought that that was the one formula that I had to recreate yep. in order to you know, take mm-hmm. my shit to the next level. Yeah. So I started trying to do that. I did and too. <laughs> I am not a funny person. I'm just not. Neither am I. <laughs> and so it, it was coming across as so forced. Mm-hmm. And then one day I actually saw a post by, I think it was Becca Tilly. Hmm. And she did this post where she was in a room against a white wall 
with no makeup on hmm. and just was like, look, y'all, I'm done with this scroll whole shit. Hmm. Like I'm done with comparing myself. Here I am. This is me raw, yeah. like unfiltered, just without makeup. This is how I look. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, wow, she's so brave, but also I would never do that. <laughs> Heaven forbid I mess up my perfectly yeah. curated feed. And I and that sat with me for a while because I really admired her for doing that. But I was like, I could never do that. Hmm. Um, and then slowly over time, I thought, well, what would happen if I wasn't perfect? Yeah. If I didn't have that perfect feed? If I if I wasn't in the most amazing dress in the most amazing location, would people still like me? Hmm. And that question sat with me for a while. And then I thought, well. What is my, what what is what I'm doing right now? How is that affecting other people? Mm-hmm. Because at the time I was I was doing it. I was working with professional photographers. I was posting crazy cool outfits in crazy cool locations, but I was not realizing how other people were digesting that content. But and how is that making you feel in like your own personal life? Not about like I'm sure, you know, like you liked how your feed looked and all of that, but how did that make you feel like personally doing all of that? Uh, going off and gallivanting to castles and taking pictures and gowns. It made fun. me. I, I was I was having fun, yeah. but I don't think I was. Um, I I think I was still wanting the next level. Like I still was wanting more, yeah. and I was still questioning like why I wasn't these other people. Like it was like I I felt like I had the good. Like I was doing stuff that was awesome, but like it just wasn't taking off. Well, the whole like you know oh I could never do that of like posting, you know, no makeup, all of that. But was that something that you also held true in your personal life of like, oh, I could never like go to the grocery store like without having my makeup oh, no. on and just being like this perfect curated <laughs> version of me? No, I've always been pretty comfortable with living 90% of my life sans makeup and in my sweats. Okay. Yeah. It was just like what I liked to post and what mm-hmm. I thought, the only way I thought a blogger could succeed yeah. was by posting a great outfit photo in a great location with a short and witty caption. Mm -hmm. So then I started to just slowly break down what it meant to consume content and what it meant to like, what, like why people were actually there, what people actually wanted from me and how I could actually provide a service. Because Mm -hmm. when I started my account, like I said earlier in the episode, it was for me Mm -hmm. as a creative outlet and as therapy for me. But when you're running a business, you need a mission statement and yes. you need a function. Yes. And I got to you this purpose. point where I was like, oh, okay, I'm running a business and I don't really know what my clear purpose is to help yeah. people. And I don't really know what it is that people are turning to me for besides fashion, which is just one thing. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I had so much more to offer. Yeah. And as a writer and musician, I was writing all the time, but I wasn't sharing that with people because I thought oh, people were not going to want to read a long ass caption. They just are there for the short and witty ones. Yep. And so then I just started slowly sharing some of my writing with people and talking about topics that I was scared as fuck to talk about, Mm -hmm. sharing things that I didn't think people would want to see. A lot of it involved fears and insecurities around comparison. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what ended up sort of evolving into the relationship I now have with my audience, which is amazing and i feel like i connect with people on a totally different level yeah. um but i'm still i'm still learning mm-hmm. yeah and, and that's where i feel like even when you get to a good place and you feel like you are authentically portraying or you know authentically connecting with other people that 
there, there still can be those insecurities that creep up on you and managing that can be difficult. Um, and just with everything that you do, I, I do want to touch a little bit on, on burnout and oh, like yeah. how you take care of yourself, like in couples therapy, but personally, like if therapy is a piece or just what that looks like to take care of you. Yeah. It's been rough. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's been really hard. I, I've been in probably like a three month period of where I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I put out a class earlier this year um, yes. about this exact topic. Yes, you did. Yep. And we, it's so funny because we're, I feel like so many people who want to help others help others through the things that they need the most help on themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm yeah. like, I need the most help on this. So I'm going to do a lot of research. And then when <laughs> I research it, I'm going to come back and share it with you. And that's what I did with the class. And so yeah. a big part of my class was helping people set boundaries with technology because mm-hmm. I struggle with that. Yeah, I used to go to bed the last thing I'd look at at night was my phone. And the first thing I'd look at in the morning was my phone. Mm-hmm. I would go on walks and I would like be literally walking my dog in one hand and then holding my cell phone in the other, like doing things. Yeah. And it was just, and my husband was like, every time we're in the car together, you're on your phone. And it was just, you know, we'd be sitting watching a movie. I'd be on my phone and it was just so bad. Yeah. Um, so just setting boundaries with when I'm allowed to work and when I'm not mm-hmm. is is huge. And especially when you're your own boss, Yep, I'm an overachiever and I'm like, okay, if it's the weekend, what do I want to do? Well, I want to work on my career, but then it like never ends. Yes. And then my body says, you must slow down. Yes. Yep. yep. And I enter into a phase of depression, which is yeah. uh, tricky as an artist because mm-hmm. you want to... Keep giving that creative output, but guess what? We are yep. not meant to be in flow or all the time. Like mm-hmm. it's just yeah. impossible. How do you know when you're in that state of depression? Um, I, my body sends, it feels like there are like a little alarms going, something's wrong, something's wrong. And then my brain tries to figure out what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I make up a lot of things. (laughs) There's a lot of rationalizing around the feelings. Yeah, I get pretty numb and I feel like everything feels really pointless. Hmm. And that's hard. A lot of like apathy and just feeling indifferent to things. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how do you anticipate, like how do you, I'm in a constant struggle between do more, do less. Hmm. And I don't, you know. That's it's, a tough one. <laughs> it's a tough one. Yeah. Even, I mean, this trip, you know, be, being in LA, it is it is definitely a, a battle of do more, do all the things, take advantage of it, but then mm-hmm. also like rest and like, yeah. it's okay to do less and just like focus on quality of that. And it's, I think just important to have those check-ins with yourself around like every other hour sometimes on days like this that are just like really busy and back to back of like just check in. So I'm like, even like between photo shoots, you know, for you of like, okay, wait, like how am I feeling about Oh yeah, this? no, I had a, um, yesterday was a photo shoot day. Today was supposed to be a photo shoot day and tomorrow was supposed to be a photo shoot day. And my <laughs> assistant was like, hey, you know that that's three shoots back to back? And I was like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> and then finally we got to this week and I was like, yeah, we're going to cancel one of those. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that even, even if you don't, like I didn't have a specific reason to cancel the shoot. I was just like, I think mm-hmm. it's going to be good to have some space. Yeah. And that was the right way to go. I'm so glad you said that because part of, even before I flew down here, like the two days beforehand, I literally wrote a journal about this where I was like, 
it's okay if you need to cancel things. Yeah. It's okay. You don't need to have a reason. If you need to take things off of your plate and rest and just be, that's okay. Like Mm -hmm. don't feel like you owe anyone anything and that if you need to cancel, just reschedule. Yeah. Just like it's okay to not put such immense pressure on yourself to like get all the things done all the time. Like in the best way, perfect, 100% of the time. Like, yeah. it's too much. We are drill surgeons on ourselves, and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, it's yeah. not that big of a deal. Yes, it's not. <laughs> well, I I just super admire and, and appreciate your ability to really, like, challenge yourself and also just the whole, you know, the way that people use the platform um, to bring in more of that authenticity. Well, it's an exciting time for mm-hmm. artists, and I think this is the one of you know the probably most realistic time to be a creative and have a career doing it. Yeah, you know, my mom's generation was not like that. She, like, she couldn't have done this in the fashion industry. Like, no, no. it wouldn't have worked. Nope. So, I think it's really a shame to let the pitfalls of social media and online living mm-hmm. get in the way of that fucking once in a you know, all of eternity experience. Yes, all of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, I, I really, it's my mission to help other creatives yeah. figure out how to navigate it mm-hmm. alongside me. Yeah. And it, it so comes through and it's like, it is legit art on my Instagram feed. Every time you come up, I'm just like, wow, wow. <laughs> like I just like take a second and be like, okay, like look at just the, such attention to detail. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I want everyone to go follow you. So can you tell people where they can find you if you have any other classes or workshops or things coming up? Um, Yeah, for sure. So my main handle is officially Quigley. And then the social media, uh, S-O-U-L, is where you can find the class. Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, definitely check it out. And I'll list it in the episode notes. But thank you so, so, so much. Thank you, Taylor. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right, and, and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity.